Welcome to episode one and the season three premiere of From Adventure to Innkeeper, a podcaster for all LARPers. I am your host, Martin, and we will be talking about live action roleplay events and experiences. Throughout the series, we will talk about specific LARP and also more general topics surrounding LARP. This episode will look at emotional safety and well-being in LARP. And I think this topic is especially relevant as COVID-19 continues to still disrupt our lives um, and to an extent our ability to LARP. And of course, Omicron has thrown us for a loop recently. And it's very likely that COVID-19 is going to become an endemic disease if it hasn't already. So that really brings us to the question of how do we ensure the emotional safety and well-being of our players? This is something which all LARP should consider, and it's worth bringing in some experts to help with this, especially since it's something which takes a very special kind of person to help arrange. But before we step into this topic, I'd like to take a moment to thank Feedspot, which is a blogging site for including From Adventure to Innkeeper as one of the top five LARP podcasts in 2021. Their list is a good one, and I can recommend all of the podcasts on it, with, of course, a major bias toward this one, which was originally listed as number four and has since moved up into the number two spot. Their website is blog.feedspot.com, and the top five list can be found at blog.feedspot.com backslash LARP underscore podcasts. This show is for both new LARPers through to seasoned veterans, and we will be implementing a scale to uh, to let you know the main focus of each episode. Episodes will air every odd month, so January, March, May, July, September, November, and will be approximately one to two hours in length. Every episode is for everyone, but some will focus more on issues which will resonate with one group or another. And as such, we have a scale which will tell you the focus of the topics and the possible depths of some of the various bogs and dungeons which we'll wade into. The scale for this episode will be Innkeeper, as it's aimed at those who develop, design, and run LARP. We will be covering some heavy topics in this episode, but they relate directly to all players and are heavy due to the topic, not necessarily the concepts. As this episode covers such a wide variety of LARP topics, I have arranged for some guests to help me via Zoom to discuss what their thoughts are on developing a LARP. With me via Zoom today, I have Eric from the U.S. and Bastian from Denmark. Thank you, Eric and Bastian, for joining me today. Uh, Before we begin an open discussion, let me first ask you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your involvement in LARP and your involvement in this topic. Uh, So, Eric, if you'd like to go first. Thank you for having me today, Martin, having me back. And Bastian, it's great to meet you. Uh, I'm the founder of LARP Adventure Program, which focuses on LARP as educational literacy for transformational leadership. And so it's primarily done with elementary, middle school, high school students. And then we do a little bit of adult stuff, but that's not our main focus. Okay. Uh, Thank you very much for that. And uh, Bastian, a little bit about yourself and your, your background. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the mid thirties from Denmark, Um, studied psychology before. And I have used the uh, psychology and laughing together, both to work with the youth that have been, for instance, neuroatypical or had challenges in everyday life, and used it uh, as a way to both create a better framework and to, uh, like, 
make different ways of approaching situations and putting themselves outside their own limiting box sometimes. So I've done emotional safety uh, as a head of in international lapping events and also in uh, Danish ones for quite a few years, five, six, seven years, I think. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so to ensure that we're all on the same page for the purposes of this conversation, I'm just going to briefly define um, what specifically we're talking about. And this is this is my definition, so feel free to, as we talk later, to expand on this or, or to, to you know narrow it down to make it more palatable for each of you. Um, but we're going to be discussing emotional safety and well-being in LARP. Um, generally, this means how you plan to assist uh, and ensure that your players stay mentally safe and that their emotional needs and their overall well-being is taken care of. Um, so now that hopefully we're on the same page with our listeners, I'm going to open this up to my guests uh, via Zoom uh, so that we can begin delving into this aspect of LARP a little bit deeper. So for the two of you and, and either one who wants to can go first, uh, what do you consider the key to planning for emotional well-being and safety both before and during a LARP? I can uh, take a, a short one for starting. Um, to me, I think when you start planning for emotional safety, one of the most important things is to be aware of uh, the people that you're working with, because you'll never be able to make a, a single type of uh, like template that you can just sit down over any type of event. If it is like, let's say in the Far East, if it's in Europe, if it's in the, the States, uh, all those things are very different cultural contexts and that plays a lot into the whole emotional safety also. So being aware of your whole, like uh, your context and your surrounding is one of the most important starting things to me at least. So, so before Eric, um, before you respond to that, just as a follow-up, um, have you noticed or, or, or what do you think, I guess, are, are the most stunning differences from a cultural aspect between for example, let's let's say America and Europe when it comes to um, emotional safety in LARP, from that mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah, um, I would say, for instance, the way that we greet each other is a, a very, very markedly different thing in, in that context. And if you take just one step like further east and you include a few Middle East and then Europe and the US, then in some of those cultures, some places, it's a, a personal greeting it's basically to, to lick each other's uh, like cheek and say hi, where to others that's a huge social faux pas and basically face anxiety on the spot already. So even the how we greet each other um, in those kind of contexts is a pretty relevant thing. Okay, that's yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. uh, Eric, absolutely. Uh, so so over to you for the for the same question. The the the. Uh, yeah, I want to piggyback off of Bastion a little bit, and um, and I think you know these are words that Bastion has wrote is like communications, right? So how are we communicating? What's being communicated? Um, I think you, Bastion, you wrote something about emotional safety uh, and talking about communication, self-regulation, right, and self-care. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. because you can't hold yeah. space for others if like you're burnt out and spun out which is easy to happen in a LARP and then exactly. I think, yeah and I think you've talked about too 
um, kind of emotional self-awareness, which has to do with, of course, stress management of yourself, your staff, the participants, the environment, but also just kind of like emotional intelligences and how to be aware of your own stuff that comes up when you're at an event. Um, cause you know, we're human and we've all had a life and sometimes a certain person, whether yourself or someone else, or maybe a combined thing happens where that could bring up, uh, I guess what people like to call a trigger and like, it could easily throw you off your game of self-care or the focus of what's going on. So, um, and I'm always a big believer of, you know, if whatever's happening internally is going to happen externally in my life, I'm going to attract people, whether it's coworkers or even participants that are doing the same thing. So if I'm a person who's struggling with communications, uh, whether that's boundaries and consent, which is a hot topic in the States here, um, that's going to come <laughs> everywhere, out everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. That's going to come out with my staff because I'm going to attract staff that's similar. I'm going to attract participants that are similar by the language or the things that I say or don't say. And that goes for both ways. Like sometimes it's like, oh, let me put down a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, that even could be like a red flag. So um, it's a tricky thing. And, you know, like with any community arts, whether it's LARP, theater, dance or anything, there's like this experience that we have that kind of is a giant mirror or we're all mirrors kind of reflecting off each other in the center of that experience, especially emotionally, it's this hologram of, of the whole. So um i i like i think i love when you said self-regulation self-care because that's one of the first places i start is like where what kind of headspace am i in when i'm starting this venture and i need to get real clear about what it is that i want or expect out of myself and more importantly what i'm available to do because as a larp designer it's so easy to overcommit. oh this should happen this is a great idea oh i'll just put that hat on too i'll just put on another hat and now i'm spread that in yeah <laughs> everybody wants to Everybody wants to, of course, deliver the perfect experience. And since we do everything usually in a very kind of private regime, um, it's very easy for people to take it as a personal failure if somebody's had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, especially organizers and volunteers, will bend over backwards and break themselves if need be to ensure a person gets a better experience. But sometimes their expectations to the scene might just be something else than what we are capable of delivering. So leads me into actually another point that I think is, again, piggybacking from your good statement there, that expectation alignment uh, in extension made as absolutely crystal clear as ever can be is, is super paramount so people know what they're going into. Are you going into a heavy psychological thriller lab? Or are you mm -hmm. going into a, you know, a family dynamic drama where we would play more on the small and the unsaid things? Or is Jack the Ripper around the corner? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't really know what to expect at all and you are very committed like you read the scene around you and you at the same time you do layer your perception because you both read the scene as who you are and as the character so it is fairly easy to catch people off guard or on the wrong leg for instance and then people can react bad or uh, unforeseen at least so the expectation alignment i would say also is like absolutely paramount yeah, I've had my, Bastion, I don't know if you've had these great mistakes. I definitely have done them where I had this great idea where we would do a LARP and we would say it was going to be one thing. And then it turned into something yep. else. It was like, we'll surprise them and it will be so cool. And 
-hmm. the feedback I got was it was cool. It was a great experience, but that's not what I signed on for. And, and I, and I looked at that, I was was like, but the element of surprise and the magic is in the mystery. And it was like, Yeah. yeah, but I really needed to be communicated that either that was going to happen or that there was a surprise in this LARP and it's designed that way. And you're not exactly yeah. getting what you're paying for, yeah. you know? And I think you make a good point exactly on that one because you can at a lab, right? Yeah, we are all, let's say, we're all playing uh, Happy Hobbits. Yeah. Um, but there is a deep, dark twist. The scenario is not what you're going to expect. It will bend a lot from, let's say, norm and, you know, what it appears. So be yeah. prepared for something else. All right. Now you have made very clear that you make nothing clear. So they yeah. can expect not to know what to expect. Even that is an expectation alignment. I, I love that one too, because I've been on some LARPs with Martin as well. And we've had discussions about this where if one thing is kind of, I don't, I guess I'm going to just use, if a trust is broken or an expectation is broken, that starts to create a, a void of like, well, what else could happen that wasn't communicated yeah. to me? And then we start looking it's for problems. It's a cascade effect. It's cascade effect. And yeah. I, I, and as exciting as I love surprises, there's certain things that now that I've been doing this for a number of years that I say, I'm glad I did that. That was a great experience. I'm glad I ma- was part of making art with these people, but I would never do that again. <laughs> no, and, and, and from a, and from a player perspective, I, I, I can agree completely with that. I mean, especially, I, I think I know exactly what LARP you are referring to. And, and you know, it, it's one of those where, where we went into it as players with a certain expectation as to, as to, you know, what we could do, what we couldn't do. And then it turned out like halfway through the LARP that you couldn't do anything. There was no character agency, I guess is really sort of, sort of the issue you had, you know, your character was written so, so one dimensionally that, that you couldn't expand the character in any way, shape and or form when, you know, the idea was brought to the game masters, Hey, we'd like to go this route. The response we got back was, yeah, no, your character absolutely wants to do the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have experienced a similar one. Uh, I'll make a very short one. A lot that was, it was extremely graphically beautiful. And it had for making a theater performance event, it would have been the best ever in the world, basically. But mm. the organizers uh, had uh, more of the idea, I think, that to them, this was a lab that they had written everything so uh, so well interwoven and so strongly uh, intertwined that it basically could only go one way almost. So it was a bit more like a theater storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. Although sold as a lab and people expected that they could, of course, show up and be like, so you say, I love fruits, my character. No, and now I am, you know, fruit hater. I'm going to go try and eat the camel. Okay, <laughs> sure, eat the camel. But they, they they made a beautiful, beautiful event. And the people that had been there at the previous ones knew what to expect. But they had not updated uh, either along the way either on that it was more of a, a interactive theater-ish kind of experience than a, a totally freeform lab as we're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's those little things that just need to be communicated because, and, and the, I mean, I, I'm going on a limb here, but it's 
when I, what I see now is when those things aren't being communicated, there's other things that aren't being communicated and kind of getting back to core safety. You know, if, if we buy into, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for example, and then yeah. people's sleeping quarters, their food, if that stuff's brought into question, it's, if that, that is really tricky. And yeah. I core essentials that have to work. Yeah. And there's, and I, there's times I've done my due diligences to try to make sure that those things work out, but um, either the site did not come through on the contract uh, okay. as promised or someone on site just decided they didn't want to honor the contract. Uh, there was issues with catering, um, you know, human error, <laughs> my own errors. Uh, yeah. and that's a tough position because you're trying to have this practicals world uh, and then you're trying to have this fantasy world. And then it seems like if one thing kind of goes off course or trust is broken in one, it inevitably has broken in the other almost simultaneously. Yeah. Like a, you know. Also partly because if, if something doesn't work, like let's say toilets uh, start not functioning or whatever, mm. then it builds a huge amount of stress on the organizers and the logistical team often, who mm. are then while under pressure, way more likely to make other missteps. And then it again just cascades due to simply being under too much fire. Um, yeah. I have previously, when I organized the teams, uh, I said that just remember everybody that we will make mistakes and we will make screw ups. Mm -hmm. And if something is not, you know, the perfect experience, let's try at least to help both the participants and us to make it later on a good story. Because then at least even if something fucks up, then think, okay, will I be able to later just laugh a bit at this? I'll take it as a personal defeat because in like, you know, let's say three, four days when it ends, can I sit around the bonfire and make jokes on it instead? Okay, mm -hmm. then it's not that much of a personal failure after all. Mm -hmm. Then you can distance it a bit so your own crew doesn't take like too much of a personal hit, at least when things don't go exactly as planned. So, yeah, that... Oh, sorry, Martin. So I was, was going to say, so I mean, so that, that's actually a good segue into sort of the next question, which is, what do you think is the most difficult part of dealing with the emotional self, uh, safety and well-being of the players in particular? Bastion, I think, said it kind of early on, too, which is just like you need to know your people and what are those communications like and are they clear and is there ways to get feedback and ideas from them? And maybe that's not part of the LARP design either. And that can be tricky. And then you also just have you know, people are people. <laughs> they can come with their own, you know, their own baggages and their own stories. And um, yeah, but Bastion, you, the, how do you deal with that? I've heard the expression used a few times that some organizers feel that, you know, handling like large crowds and then player groups is like herding cats. And I think it's a really like uh, kind of beautiful description of it at times. Because they're lovely and they're great, but they can be a little bit hard to keep in line and where we would like them to be. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing that is uh, sometimes an issue, especially for new organizers also, is mm. not being able to uh, having the self-reflection on how uh, autonomously you treat your players. Like mm. if you have a large player group, let's say uh, for a recurring event, and at the third, fourth or fifth event, you know how it runs. There are new players coming in. But how much do you then overrule what they feel that they can handle or that they say, I can easily do that, I can easily do that? Or do you just think, yeah, I know how hard it is. You seem to be, let's say, maybe overestimating a bit or underestimating the you know, things you'll be exposed to. And then go by your own 
let's say evaluation of the situation instead of taking like the players autonomy and their their let's say how they voice that they are okay with or what they to what level they're okay with that can be a bit hard sometimes i find because it's hard to 100 percent just let players say um i can handle anything it's good throw <laughs> everything at me whenever a player says that i have a red little bell that goes off immediately and yes. be like oh i'm not gonna throw everything at Nope. <laughs> yes. When everyone says, I don't need to check, throw it at me. That's a huge red belt for me as well. I'm like, uh, exactly. uh, oh boy. <laughs> and I think that can be a bit hard sometimes because people will also sometimes feel that you either belittle them potentially or that you are condescending. If you estimate that a, for instance, scene is taken, should be taken a step or two lower than it could be dramatically or let's say like, uh, how extreme it is because they are like I can easily take 11 out of 10s don't ever give me that 9 out of 10 bullshit mm -hmm. uh, that can be a bit of a, a tricky one sometimes because sometimes I feel a bit like a uh, you know uh, plague or cholera like pick the lesser evil either overruling or let them you know go into a bad experience absolutely and like that can change for anyone's experience in the game like I could go into a game yeah. and give me 11s and then it could be something as simple as I skip a meal or didn't get enough sleep. And then I'm, I need sixes, but uh, I asked for 11s and I haven't communicated that I want sixes instead of 11, you know, I, like that's a challenge I see is like just with people outside of LARPs. And then that's kind of magnified in LARPs because it's such a huge expression pool is that, you know, all of us, I mean, self-included, we're at different stages with our personal journey and what those boundaries look like and what we consider as healthy as characters. Like what I consider healthy now versus 10 years ago is so radically different or even two years ago. Yes. Um, and so that can change. And uh, you mentioned new players coming in and um, just a little tool I've always had in my pocket, I'm sure you know this one too, there's more from studying research with festivals that have thousands of people. So these numbers don't translate necessarily to LARPs, but I've, I've noticed there's this interesting cultural thing that happens when you have more than 20% new players, like almost if you have 20 or less, there's this osmosis that can happen and the players can depend on the more experienced players to help guide them and communicate and talk about their needs. But all of a sudden, if it's like 25 or more, that kind of starts to fall apart. And that's a big question for me when I'm dealing with a surge of new players like mm -hmm. that is how do I create train tracks without creating, taking their agency away, but also be mindful because I've had people come in and be like, oh, this is going to be great. Like I got it. And then it's not, or the opposite where they're really timid and they're scared and it's all built up in their head. And it, it you know, it's not as bad as they think it's going to be. And how do I hold space for the, uh, for these people to kind of figure out yeah. where they stand and what they want. And then how to communicate it. Like, you know, if you haven't been to a LARP yeah. before, how do you know what your boundaries with a LARP are? Like, well, like, so, so one exactly. of the things that, I mean, so, so one of the things that I always wind up doing is, is I always wind up going in with stating a lower level of comfort than I actually may have. Um, yeah. You know, if, if I'm comfortable, I'll, I'll use your example. If I'm comfortable going to 11, I might go in and tell everybody I want to start at a six hmm. because then I always have the option to go up, you know, and, and if the yeah. person I'm dealing with doesn't want to go up, hopefully there's a, there's a mechanism within the game to communicate that so that I'm not escalating 
if they if they're not comfortable with the escalation. Uh, but six, you know, yeah. six or seven also gives me the ability to go down if I need to. You know, if 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 I'm in that situation where, you know, I haven't slept for 48 hours, and mm-hmm. we're you know we're getting toward the end of the LARP, and oh my god, I'm just exhausted. Mm-hmm. This gives me the chance to sort of step down as well. Um, you know, it's it's really funny. We uh, uh, so Bastion and I, the, the first time that we met was actually at a at a College of Wizardry LARP, and. <laughs> Yep. The last, um, the, the awarding of the House Cup um, is probably, and that ball at the end is, is was an interesting time for me because I had been dealing with another prefect in my house who, her character was speciest. Um, absolutely hated werewolves, hands down. Um, and it turns out she was inhabited by a demon. So we spent time exercising the demon only to learn that the demon actually put the brakes on her speciesism. Without the mm. demon, she was way, way, way more specious than ever. And it, That's it, a sad day. <laughs> yeah, it was a really sad day. And it got to the point where like half the house was almost ready to walk up to the people that we knew were werewolves because we were just so tired of it and just like tell them, all right, guys, just, just turn us into werewolves just to piss her off at this point. <laughs> we were like within a hair's breadth of doing that. Um, Do your worst. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what wound up happening instead, and she, and she and I had arranged all of this in advance. What wound up happening instead was she was going to give our concession speech because she had essentially lost our house, all the points we had gained. So we lost the cup by a large margin. Um, so she gets up and she starts railing against werewolves. And, and at that point, you know, like I said, we, we'd negotiated all this in, in, in advance, so we knew sort of what our boundaries were. So I just cast a spell shutting her up and was going to turn around and apologize to the professors because you weren't supposed to cast spells out of class. But apparently, like, it, it had reached everybody's breaking point because mm. the entire room erupted in cheers. And as I turned around to apologize to the professors, I think every single one of them was applauding me, including, like, the headmaster. Uh-huh. What a beautiful moment. And, and very forgiven. Yeah, well well, I mean, so my my tension level was really high at this point because I was really afraid that, you know, we might screw somebody else's game up. But when everybody yeah. was applauding, it was just like like the entire tension just melted away. Um There's a validation of it like really. So Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, See. you know, but that's that's just one example for me where, you know, we started at around a six as, as the, as the weekend started. And at some point we were up somewhere around like 10 to maybe 11 in intensity. And, you know, this entire incident just brought it right back down to that comfort level of a six, but we were happy to go up to that higher level. So I think that's a big part of it as well. I actually, usually when I do emotional safety uh, briefings, for instance, uh, there's of course often the big ones that are for the entire lab, which is, whatever between like 40 and 100 200 people but also if possible then having smaller ones afterwards for like the close-knit groups like if it's like some post-apocalyptic there'll probably be some nomad group and some traders group and some local people group and such if you in those that are going to be playing close together have a chance to do a briefing where you give people the chance to share with each other if they're comfortable with it uh, what their like visible triggers of, for instance, uh, stress and, and heavy load is so that if others, when they spot it and they happen to remember, okay, 
somebody just shouted wildly at Thomas right up in his face. And I know Thomas says, like, before the lap, this is one of the things that really hits him. Then you have a chance to, you know, just give a, a, a bit of a, a subtle check-in or just be around or see, see if he needs any kind of help or how he's doing, actually. So we let the groups that play closely together also act a little bit as a passive support for each other if they are willing to do that. Mm -hmm. There's never something that should be put on people as a, a standard thing, uh, which is also why I always very much make it a voluntary thing two people usually have shared. I cut the, the line and say, usually we would have a yes effect now, being that two have already shared. You're not allowed to break the line and be the party downer and say no, but you definitely are. So please don't break the line at any point. If you don't feel like sharing, then we don't share. That's good. Just raise your hand and we mm -hmm. pass on. Make sure that it's as voluntary as possible if people are okay with sharing their like potential like trigger things to let people uh, help them also to be able to predict a bit. And that's all. That's uh, yeah. I was gonna say that's also why the the player survey in the beginning can be very important. Um, as yeah. as as you know, Bastian, we, we have for for the LARP that we're working on, which. Yet again, has been delayed thanks to COVID. Um, <laughs> um, but for the LARP that we're working on, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of the questions has to do with, with how players would handle a certain situation and how comfortable they would feel playing in that mm -hmm. situation. And, you know, yeah. it's it's an important series of questions for us because we want people who are okay with that more intense i guess role mm -hmm. um and, and who are comfortable enough with it yet at the same time you know part of the reason that that you know we're going to have the the emotional wellness and safety individual is that if during the game they feel that they need a break or they feel that they need someone to talk to you know there's someone there for them to talk to and yeah. You know, with the understanding of that's completely okay, that's completely acceptable. Everybody needs to de-stress at times, and especially when we're at labs, we try to do, like let's say, a whole year of like high school or gym or whatever can be stressful, and we try to take everything that you experience there, all the ups and downs, the drama things, and cram it into often like one weekend. So a whole year of stress in one weekend is, I would say, I would be more surprised. And a bit worried if you don't need to de-stress a little bit along the way in whatever way works for you. But uh, that's uh, more natural, I'd say. So, Bastion, I like the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go back to one of the ideas that Bastion had. And I think this is important for just humans is creating space for everyone just to speak their voice. And you yeah. talk about two Martin beforehand with the forms and, you know, whether there is a meetup beforehand and then on site, just continually saying, look, there's a space to communicate your needs. Like there's a space to communicate your needs. And on site that can look like little, you know, off game decompressed green room areas or whatnot, but just people hearing and having the experience to be heard and to speak if they want to speak in and of itself, I think creates trust um, and emotional 100%. safety. Yeah. Bonding and creating trust in communication simply, even if it's just about if you like coffee or tea, even that is like even that, yeah, just everything goes. Yeah, and it's because I've seen situations where, um, not in in LARPs, but with other trainings and events that I've done, where people 
come in and they don't want to participate or they don't want to say the thing. And everyone's reaction was, oh, they're not taking the risk. They're not stepping up. And including myself was like concerned about the person. I was like, wow, they're not getting what they want out of this event. And then it turned out after the event, when the person finally had enough of these times to speak and chose not to or not to participate, it turned out that they had a history where their whole life they were forced to do things. And this was the first time they were in a community that just asked them to do it, didn't force them, and then said it was okay. And that was their huge healing moment. And I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) You know, like, here I was thinking that, like, everyone had to participate for this to work, but sometimes them not participating is participating so, you know so we had yeah and they need to warm up to it sometimes just yeah. a very short uh, that it's exactly like you said before with that we are from different uh, like uh, mindset mindsets and and cultural places mm-hmm. and people might have had trauma and such and you know if they come to this and they're offered to share but they see that there is no negative consequence on not doing it mm-hmm. that is like a whole big part of the healing in my belief at least that you don't get punished for saying no. You get, you know, offered to say yes, and you are loved and, you know, uh, cherished and a friend, regardless of what your answer is. Even twice as much sometimes if you dare say no, because uh, I usually tell people that daring to say no to somebody means that you actually show trust to them, because mm-hmm. that means that you have faith in that they will not take it as a bad thing or, like, lash out or have a, like, oh, well, fuck that then kind of reaction. <laughs> yeah. So we... Celebrate so we had an interesting sort of incident with that at, at College of Wizardry, and it was after we'd done the sorting of all the, the students into the houses, we had one girl who absolutely was, like, super upset that she had been sorted into this one, in, into our house. And, you know, it, it was getting to the point where, where as not obviously as my character, but as a player, well, both as a character and as a player, but much more so as a player, I was getting really worried about it to the extent that, you know, I I mean, I want to make sure everyone's having fun at the LARP, even though I'm not running it. But as one of the prefects, you know, I kind of felt some responsibility for this. That's a responsibility. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, so, so I I pulled her aside at one point and, and I, um, I pulled her aside at one point and, and said, you know, I, I just got to talk to you out of character for a few moments. Cause I, I want to make certain that you're, that you're okay. <laughs> Cause yeah. you know, you've been brooding and been so upset ever since the sorting. And, and she's like, Oh no, this is like the best thing ever. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I so wanted to be sorted in this house because I so wanted to play a character who was just, pissed off because she doesn't want to be here and this is giving me this awesome opportunity to do that and i'm like that's absolutely great if that's the game you want to play i just want to make sure that you as a player are having a good time yeah that communication it's just asking it's like so i don't know what the hesitancy it it is it's like almost like we're i don't know if it's a confidence thing it's trying to respect people's privacies but there's so many times in my own life looking back and I, and I say, if I just had asked, if I just asked for clarification, I love that phrase, it's up to me to clarify, right? If I feel something, that's important to honor that emotion and like figure out what it is, communicate that emotion, just like you did in this example, Martin, you were concerned and you communi- communicated your concern. And then 
and then see what happens, you know, without a story coming in or it's going to turn into this or that, just show up, ask a question, listen to it and then, and then see what you feel, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree. It's, it's very important to create an open space for sharing things without necessarily having the solution for it. Yeah. So that you can say, I have it weird. I'm thinking this, I'm a bit, I don't know what's up in the air. Uh, what, what, what? I don't know. Well, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, let's bring it together. I mean, and, and quite honestly, if she had said that she was super miserable as a player, you know, I, I would have said, let's go talk to the game masters. Let's see if we can find a way to solve this problem. Because obviously I don't want, you know, another player to have a horrible time either. I want them to have as much fun as possible. So that, that's why it was really a relief to me when she's like, oh no, this is like the best time ever. And it's like, you want to play miserable? I'm not going to stop you. Some people, they go to laugh to get to cry and, you know, hate and, and you know, be shunned. And if that's the, the experience that they are curious about or like feel like that they are like wanting to try out or, or taste, sure. Well, um, that's again, that might be like something one absolutely doesn't want now. Then experience a lab what they do. And then the next lab, yes, you can get enough. Of it. <laughs> and I have a couple of that one, please. <laughs> Yeah, I know I used to always make the mistake where I just wanted to fix and do everything, right? People would nickname me the wrench for a while to help me come to this realization. And someone would have a problem and I didn't want to get in there and just resolve it, right? Or cause, And it was part of like just juggling too many hats. It's like, okay, problems are coming up. I just need to get in there and fix it. And like, you know, one of more recently I realized just sitting there, and as you just both of you just said, don't, don't come in with like, let me process this and go into processing, right? Let me let me don't go to fix it, and then just say, well, what can I do? <laughs> you know, can I help you at all? Okay, instead of like yeah. imposing think, my help. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, actually, in, in two angles even, because I usually when I do the emotional safety, I have a few short key sentences. One of them is uh, be present, don't be overwhelming. Uh, in that if people are having a hard time or they seem to be, you know, stressed or, or hit by something, um, it's okay to be, you know, uh, around and so they can see that you're there and want to help. But mm -hmm. please don't 15 people all try and hug them at the same time. But that yeah. kills them, uh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, try and catch eye contact if they stay around and see, like, make sure that people, they, they know they can get help. Um, and the second one is that when, when people come literally like with issues or problems or challenges, I usually ask fairly early on uh, and say that I will gladly both like listen or help or try and structure something. But what approach would you like me to do on it? Would you like me right now just to sit back and listen a bit? Or where would you like me to place myself? Uh, like what reaction would you like from me? Mm -hmm. So they don't kind of feel that they're unsure if they're now like just talking too much and I'm just being restless and want to get to working on the problem or whatever. So mm -hmm. I make it absolutely clear, uh, like uh, what my intention and approach part of deciding that one. So, so they don't feel that, you know, we have 30 seconds to share the problem. Then I am in crush work mode. <laughs> so, <I guess laughs> <that's just>, uh, <laughs> um, but autonomy of the situation in general, because whenever people share challenges or problems or like that they are down at a lab, there is still a lot of a social taboo time mm. uh, you ask anybody for help it could very uh, easily be uh, that you consider yourself weak or how come i can't manage this or like the other players are doing that but i have a hard time with it and all those kind of self-blame things mm. 
the fancy blame game that we are masters oh, yeah, of ourselves. The, the judge victim <laughs> game that can come up in all of us as humans is, is rough. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, I've been, yeah, at lunch, worse, so. I, I've been in the state where I want to ask for help, but I say, because I work in LARPs, I'm like, I don't want to bother the designers right now. They have enough on their plate because I can see it. And then I'm like, why? Just let them know. They, they'll they tell you if they can't do it. <laughs> Just yeah. put your words I, I, think, <laughs> I sometimes when I talk to people, I tell them like, would you, if you imagine that you are the organizer and you have a player with that situation and you find out after the lab that they had a really bad situation, but they didn't approach you, would mm. you then be happier for the piece you got during the lab? Or would you be like more sad over that they didn't come to you with it? So you had a chance to spar with them, talk it through and maybe not solve it. That could be, but at least, you know, take it up and give it some air and space and see if there was maybe a little twist or something that could be done at least. Um, because uh, also the, the organizers do, as I talked before, like everything, they bend over backwards. So they, even if you have to tell them that, yeah, there was this scene you planned, it was not very smart because I have written, what do I know, in my sign-up or whatever, that maybe I'm arachnophobic and you accidentally placed a huge, you know, spider monster on my face. I'm not mm -hmm. happy with that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, the, the August will be sorry and said they heard that. But they would so much also, if it's possible and you have the energy for it, appreciate some chance to try to get better or make it up to you or somehow adjust the situation again. Mm. Yeah. I, I, this, again, it's like that communication seems to solve problems every time. Yeah. Words are, words are gold, uh, literally. Yeah. So, especially with, with the times that we live in right now, I think that a valid question for for safety and, and emotional well-being is um, how do you think that delays on LARP due to COVID are having an effect on the emotional safety and well-being of players even before they get to the LARP? A and of course, yeah. at the LARP. I mean, outside of the LARP, the first thing that comes to mind for me is there's a lot of confusion around boundaries with COVID, like the simplest example I can give, I don't know how it is for you, Bastion, out where you are in Denmark, but I'll go to like the jet, like just a gas station. And on the gas station door, it will say mask required, right? Like you have to wear a mask. And then I'll go into the gas station and no one's wearing a mask, right? So, and there's a lot of around COVID, what are actual boundaries? You know, at least here in the States, out in New England, it's like people say this is the boundary. They say this is their policy, but then yeah. they communicate it's in emails. Then you show up and it's a different scene. So again, that that's that doubt, uh, unknown vacuum being created. In it's a disharmony. Yeah. It's um, a very clear disharmony between words and actions sometimes or what's been like reported out and stated and what is actually being performed. Yeah, I love this harmony between words and actions. That is. I mean, I, I can give an example that it's not 100% LARP related, but uh, my wife and I are going on the Star Trek cruise. It's coming up at the end of February and like first week of March, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, and LARP related? It's, it's, not, it's not a LARP per se, but I mean, you know, everyone's going to be like running around in costumes on a cruise ship and yeah. the cruise ship is ours. It's completely chartered for, for this thing. Um, so maybe a little bit to an extent right. um like the weird world yeah, yeah LARP, larp larp light i think that's a good one 
Um, right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so for example, the organizers keep sending out these messages of, you know, everyone has to be vaccinated, which is fine. We all have to show our proof of vaccination. Uh, we're going to have to show it again before we sign up. We get to get tested 24 hours before we board the ship because that's a requirement of the CDC in the U.S. Uh, but then they keep out, then they keep saying that, oh, no, masks aren't going to be required. And then you go to the cruise lines webpage and the cruise lines webpage mm-hmm. are, oh, yes, at every single indoor venue, masks are absolutely required. <laughs> And it's this weird disconnect because at the end of the day, you know that the cruise line wins that argument, but at the same time, it's an entire ship chartered by one group. So maybe the cruise line's going to be like, meh, for this group, they've already agreed that they're not going to do it. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. You're, you're right in that since it's a private event, uh, they might be able to override the rules and such since they completely take over the whole venue. Right. But even in that, uh, just leaving the doubt about not knowing that if the uh, group has been written, yes, we are aware on the homepage, it says masks are required, but due to our extensive testing, uh, we don't find that a necessity and we have negotiated that with the cruise line. Right. That would break all the fear and confusion and be a crystal clear expectation alignment. Right. You know, and, and I don't care one way or the other. I'm happy to wear a mask. That's not an issue for me, but. It's, it's just one of these issues. It's just one of these situations where, you know, it's the clarity of the, uh, of the situation. It's yeah. it, it, there's, there's two sides that are authorities saying different things. Right. And it's like, Oh, you got a mom and dad, this, am I going to like ask dad to go to get ice cream? Cause mom said, no, it's like, what's going on here? I, I mean, I, I can tell you that for, yeah. I can tell you that for the LARP, we're going to run, you know, as of right now, assuming that things don't massively change in one way or another, um, we're probably not going to require masks because it just makes LARPing in the ship that much harder. And this is for the one that's further down the road. Um, but we're going to be requiring people be vaccinated and they're going to have to show proof of vaccination. Yeah, the, the frustrating thing about that whole process, too, is like the authority of that. So I went to go see um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, yep. which was an awesome experience in Worcester. And it, like you had to show your vax cards. And mm-hmm. you had to show a card, but they had kids working the door, understandably. And you had to show an ID and a card. And now anyone who knows Photoshop, you could just put together a card, right? <laughs> Easy. Um, uh, but they weren't even checking my ID. And that, just that moment of you didn't do what you said was going to happen. And you just let me go by with a screenshot on my phone, put more doubt into my head. So, it, you know, and I, and I understand. If you slack on this, what else do you then also slack on? Right. And that's always in my head. If someone doesn't do what they said, what else are they not going to do? And and I get it. No one wants to have a TSA experience going into an event. But I, I don't know. Like with my own my own LARPs that I've been running, it's like I it's I do the – I bloop people. They have to come in with a rapid test that's negative, And then we ask people to do it after. How much can that be enforced you know, that's another question, especially if you have people with different values coming in about vaccines and tests. Um, and that and that in and of itself, those two things, the doubt of the process and then the differences of values of players and that that is not clearly communicated at any event that I have been to in the last year, whether it's, you know, I go to, I, I've gone to club nights. It's like definitely, again, masks are required and vaccines checked. No one checked my vaccine. No one had a mask on, you know, and I'm like, do I stay? Do I go? And so I can imagine I'm going to sign up for a LARP and I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go to this location. 
maybe I don't want to invest in all of that and take my vacation time, blah, blah, blah. If I don't know what that environment's truly going to be like, you know, that, yeah. that, that's a challenge. I for think, uh, there's a, there's a very uh, little thing there, a core thing I would pull out and enhance. And that is uh, the uncertainty of not knowing what to expect uh, from where you arrive to. Like not knowing, am I going to be running around with the mask for the whole weekend or a week or whatever, or not? Uh, and is there any way of clearing that beforehand? Mm-hmm. Because it's such a big thing. It's like the same as they say, yeah, we are going to have some food. We don't know if it's going to be cooked on the ship or if we're going to get something from outside. You'll see when you <laughs> right? get there. Right. Uh, ooh, okay. so, so I can so I can answer that question for Erlar because I know exactly what food we're getting and exactly where it's going to be cooked. <laughs> exactly, and that makes people feel that it's under control. But the thing when you don't even when they can't tell you before you even arrive at the location, like if they say we will have this clarified at least a week before or something, okay, then you can mostly put your fears to rest and think a week before, sure, it'll be done. I know. And I can still at that point say, nope, 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 um, or go. But if you're like, yeah, you'll figure out in the door uh, if you want to go in or not. Uh, mm-hmm. That creates a bit of a, a, I would say, a high energy cost uh, start of the whole thing. Because already there, you're alert and aware and a bit uh, like, um, uh, what's it, uh, not like suspicious of your surroundings, but pretty like cautious or extra attentive at least. And that just drains when you also have a lot of new people, a lot of experiences, uh, and I have to get familiar with the place, the setup, and everything at the same time. So kind of along these same lines, I guess, uh, one of the questions that I had for you is, is how much do you think venue itself plays a role in, in the emotional safety and well-being of the, the players? Massive. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot. Um, take a very easy example if you play some uh, labs are played in crowd like in uh, like in cities and if you play a let's say some it might be a vampire lab and you're a weird ass crazy malcadian thing that goes dressed weirdly other people on the street will also react to you um other people will give feedback youth who are on town and drinking might get the funny idea to also approach with a let's say less than positive fun laughing intent mm-hmm. um and even just if it's like very far out in the countryside where you know that there's like two days of uh, hiking to the closest any kind of medical station and such mm-hmm. is also a reservation on how much you then want to go like at a heavy physical lap and so so the i would say the the framework around and setting is a, a very big deal both physically mentally and uh, emotionally yeah, I was mentioning before, just like working with spaces and them agreeing to per- perform what they said they would do, which can be tricky, <laughs> is difficult as well. And then, you know, if I go to like, you know, Intercon out here, which is, you know, basically a giant parlor LARP convention, uh, I'm in a hotel, I have my own room, ideally, I can come and go, you know, versus a LARP. Uh, you know, like Martin and I did where we're out in the middle of the desert and, you know, the Sahara desert. And if I needed to go have space, uh, get away, felt ill, um, my options are very low. <laughs> you know, without... Yeah. There's like 25 <laughs> private rooms just uh, down uh, past the next sand dune. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> 
I think people must consider that, like whether it's in a, a LARP event or like a festival or like any event, it's like, what is the venue space going to be like? Where is it at? You know, um, I think uh, I think everybody before a LARP in general, like at different levels, of course, but should uh, ask themselves like, OK, when I go to the LARP, how much under pressure do I expect to be? And mm -hmm. if it becomes uh, a fair bit, or if I would just like to de-stress a bit, what are my options for that? Uh, is there anywhere nearby where I feel? Yeah, it was tricky for me I, when I did Black Friday and I'm out in like the mountains of Northern Italy. And I just had like the roughest travel because I didn't give myself buffers on the front end. And get there it's freezing cold things aren't you know running on time they're kind of chaotic but you know it's to be expected but then by the time i got to the room i realized oh the place that i'm sleeping isn't as warm as i expected and where do i go to get warm and then someone comes in and they have a head cold and it turns out to be a flu and i'm like oh boy like am i gonna get sick out here <laughs> you know this is before the pandemic and even then i had those concerns of how, how do i take care of myself uh and then another part that i would bring up is the staff right the staff of these sites because that can create some emotional distress as well so you know i work with a very queer community and when we we're at certain sites um like historical sites especially and there's people there that aren't as welcoming to that, that can be a, tr a trouble too. Like if the staff is not open to what the community is doing and then that can create tension as well. And so that's a mistake I've made and learned to check in with as best as possible and let people know like, hey, I have this community that's like that. Is that gonna be okay at your location, <laughs> you know? Um, and all, all those elements of the site, cause you know, an old teacher who's passed on, Ann Sosa once told me, the land holds the structure, holds the people. And I, I believe that if, if there's issues with the land, you need to be aware of them. Um, if like threats, strengths, weaknesses, potentials with the structure itself, because even if you have the best people, those two things could sabotage an event, no problem. You know? so, so speaking a little bit about the people, um, what do the two of you think is the hardest thing for players themselves to sort of understand about the emotional safety and well-being in LARP? Mm. That is a tricky question <laughs> because it's one part they need to know themselves. There's this whole thing about emotional intelligences and being able to listen with your eyes, ears, your body, read body language. Um, like I said before, them knowing their own boundaries and where they're at with their growth, because it can be very tempting to go to a LARP and see someone who maybe doesn't have boundaries and you're like, oh, that looks fun. I'll try that. Or someone who's very experienced with boundaries and they're navigating difficult situations. They're like, that looks fun. I'll try that. Um, and that's what LARPs are there for, right? I'm not saying that shouldn't happen. That's exactly what they're there for. Um, and, and then how well, like I've, I've gone to LARPs where I've just been so busy. I didn't read any of the emails. I just show up and surprise, like I get a little burned because I wasn't aware of what was going to happen. That was kind of on my own end that I didn't communicate with people that I needed help. So that can be tricky too. Bastion, any, any thoughts from you? We, we may have lost Bastion's audio. 
Um, it sounds like we have lost Bastion's audio. Oh no, we're in a thick storm out here too. That doesn't help. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, we're yeah we we we, we, we are we are recording this during a blizzard, so. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, I, I could I could talk a little bit more. I mean, I guess in in kind of going back to the LARP thing is that the act of LARPing is about taking risks and going outside of who you are, like into the unknown. And you kind of basically become somebody else and you go into a place full of people doing the same thing. And then you kind of return to the normal world with an experience. So there's these elements of what those people are bringing in for their own stories. Are they aware of their stories and, you know, baggage or strengths and weaknesses? And because the LARP can in that creative element, just like artists, like, oh, I, I'm an artist, I do this, give you a hall pass to kind of do whatever. So um, I think it's about supporting the players. Like one thing that I've done in my own youth game is I used to be, I spent more time focusing not on creating a good game, but just on like how to communicate what are the expectations of the community and the morals of that community and outlining those and really focusing on that. And that has changed my game tremendously. The issues that I used to have at every game have started to disappear, thank goodness. And that had to come from my own getting burned by myself in the player base. We just burned each other, you know, and going back to those boundaries and stuff. So yeah, working with players can be tough. Bastion, how about you? (laughs) Yeah, is my, uh, is it a function? Yes, yeah, you're you're, you're back. (laughs) Perfect. Got you. Yeah. I think uh, <laughs> nice. Caught me in the blizzard. I think uh, it's. Uh, I think you're very right in just what I heard in the uh, some of the last bit there shortly. That we've gone much from the main concern, like a good uh, bunch of years back, was how to build the right monster suit into not being, you know, the monster to the players they don't expect. Uh, so we work a lot more on the internal things and the communication there instead of the, just making a, a fancy, like, you know, look at this super lobster destroyer monster that is like, <laughs> has plus five hit points. <laughs> yeah. We'd rather have you have a plus five experience uh, instead of <laughs> a, a visual lobster. To, so so um, from an emotional safety and well-being perspective, what has been the best LARP you've worked with? And also, if you're willing to say it, what's been the worst? <laughs> I, I think I can't really say a best and a worst as such. I think what uh, I would I would uh, put mine in a slightly different context, but I think working with College of Wizardry was super mm-hmm. interesting because it was the place where you could both do the biggest difference, but you could also potentially do the biggest fuck-ups. Um, so I think I'd rather put that one in that framework because that was the one where most things uh, could go up or down. Because you had often like 100 to 150 participants from 30 countries. Um, and with that much culture mix and like just the overall briefing, and then I have a 20 minute emotional safety briefing with people in, in more smaller groups, that doesn't give a lot of time to develop a whole like interaction system or basic. So um, it really had to be effective what we did. Uh, and it, it did also work well, and we learned things along the way. Uh, it's been run both like before and after I was along too, so it's uh, it's a very it's a big dynamic thing. But it was really interesting to be part of lifting some things and spotting other things, and and like doing both the, the right and some of the maybe less optimal things uh, in that whole cooperation. All right. 
I would agree. College of Wizardry was phenomenal for me. And it was actually one of the first LARPs I had where there was a workshop about consent and well-being. And I think it was the first one that Mallory Brown had run. So I don't know what run that was. It was early on. Um, in was the community. 11 maybe? Or? Yeah, 10 or 11 maybe. And the community was just amazing. And, and part of it, I think, is that the events, because we were all far away from home in this castle, kind of gave you like the whoa we better help each other out <laughs> like there's no room to not yeah. uh, that that you know again, LARPing in the desert. Stranded on an island together? Yeah. yeah like larping in the desert was like we better be good to each other because yikes <laughs> um and i would say some stuff at intercon because the I, I found the parlor larp designers have a lot of theater education and you know things like playback theater and have have the tools in their back pocket and so that has been, I've had some great experiences there where I felt super safe with people and able to go way outside of my comfort zone and try things that I normally wouldn't do, uh, even in private. And so to feel that kind of support where I'm with strangers willing to do things that I'm not even comfortable doing by myself, that was, that was mind blowing. Uh, on the flip side, some of the worst ones were also so it, and it's it's really it's really the it's not just the designer it's the people that you meet up with too and and, and connect and connecting with them um and, and not having everybody this. helps create the thing it's you can never blame purely players or organizer or anything because it's such a interwoven dynamic thing every event so so i actually have to agree with i think both of you i think that, that from an emotional well-being perspective the best larp i've ever done was actually college of wizardry and and it it had to do with the fact that that everybody was conscious of it. Um, you know, um, if if you were feeling down or you needed like a break, you know, you could go in and, and, and into the room that Bastion had. And, and, you know, there was there was, you know, an ability to relax there. But, for example, almost every one of the common rooms, if, if you just weren't feeling great, you know, somebody would invite you into their common room and, and just, you know. I mean, Sendivodius gave you wonderful, big, snuggly wolf hugs and hot chocolate. I mean, how can you say no to that? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so relaxing and, and just really just a warm fuzzy. I think it's uh, a lot of it. A lot of it comes partly from that uh, Cards of Wizardry has had a really good success with that every interaction is an offer. Uh, it is a, a invitation and an offer. It is not a, a like a demand or an expectation yeah. uh, or a instruction. Um, it is a you know, would you like to or would you care or are you up for? Yeah. And mm -hmm. with not with no negative repercussion on saying mm, maybe tomorrow, maybe later, possibly, but no thanks. Um, like, okay, sure. Yeah, no, and I think that's I think that's very true. That that almost every interaction there was really sort of a a, a would you like or. Or you know, even coming from the other side, you know, is 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 now a good time to you know come and visit your common room, you know, maybe not now, but come back in like half an hour when we've got like three other people there. That would be great. And you know, it it was it was sort of that that give and take that worked really well, I think. Yeah, people are were okay with also the, for instance, getting the not right now, but come back in half an hour. Yeah. Most students that would like would come by and get that, they'd be like, "Okay, well, I have two juniors. I can go harass for half an hour. That's great. See you in half an hour." Yeah. <laughs> um, so my my standard final question uh, is: Assuming it runs, what is next for each of you with LARP? 
I actually don't have anything on the whiteboard right now. Um, truth be told, uh, I think there's been uh, with all the cancellations and such. I've uh, I've just taken a little bit chill in that regard and just been a bit passive observant on the scene and talk with people here and there and, and offer like sparring and such. But not really. I don't think I have anything. Um, actually, uh, ours is actually the next one on the board then too. Um, so yeah, that one. Okay. But don't have anything before that. Um... Yeah, I've been, I've been lucky that because I work with kids and they take after school classes and I have this high school mentorship program, I've been able to continue to run the youth LARPs uh, through the last year um, and meet these expectations. Because we have memberships and we have files and everybody, we, make, we can't get a membership without a Vax card. Um, some people like that, some people don't. And then you have to get tested beforehand and after. And we've just been doing a lot of non-overnights in kind of doing a season uh, for the Etheraz 2 game for Epian we're running with this Embracing Valor season. So that has been great. So I have, so every month I'm doing basically one at a campground that's outside and then one in a rock climbing gym. So it's kind of like the training day at the town and then it's a dungeon crawl. Um, and it's super simple. That is the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super simple, super small, but um, it's been super rewarding as well. Um, and I got as far as doing like kind of bigger, kind of like this is a big art project is uh, running a beta version again with a small insular community um, on the USS Salem called Is There Anybody Out There, which is definitely a Pink Floyd reference. And it's just a heavy lean into the movie Alien and the movie The Thing. And this concept came out of being locked down and having nothing to do during the pandemic. Um, and so again, that depends a lot on site access, but that has been really exciting to run. Um, but yes, yeah, with, with the state of the way things are, I'm very hesitant to kind of open up the doors and say, hello, general public, we have events here. Um, I, I, we're not read, quite ready for that. And, and, and what, what I, oh, I feel like what's going on is it's so small and precious. It's like a small plant. I can't just put it out in the storm, you know, so. Gotta gotta grow the trees. Yeah, it might be it might be kind of run over if not uh, approached and, and like done and set up properly and everything. Uh, yes. You know? Yeah. And um, what I what I think though is also an interesting thing is that just like we've seen with, for instance, uh, teachers here under during Corona and COVID, uh, that they have had more of them have had to learn how to do remote teaching like from home. That mm -hmm. I've seen uh, very many people uh, doing a lot of creative. Uh, attempts at like doing online labs and uh, with like uh, even just on discord and with separate rooms or uh, mm -hmm. to hold setups with cam and everything and i think it's super interesting because i think there's rarely ever like you know there has to be rain before there's a rainbow so some of the positive i think that might come from this in the longer run is that people have gotten a lot more curious about involving technology in lab also both mm -hmm. for distancing and for uh, like creating different effects and, and uh, like uh, things in extension of that. That I find pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I have yet to, to do it, but I'm very interested in getting a VR set, uh, especially one that can track you with mm -hmm. cameras in the room. And one of my wow. old friends and I have talked about building two rooms that are exactly the same so that we can meet in the room VR wise mm -hmm. and hang out. With create them. an overlapping thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such a great cyberpunk 
or death scene in a, you know, to have that technology and build it now for when I can go back out would be amazing. I've always been like, oh, when I play with guys, I bring them back. I don't like just sending them to logistics. I want them to go have some crazy art experience. You know, the metaphor. But some of the, uh, some of the, some of the interesting things I heard, for instance, with these, is that when we learn, or if we master the, the thing, or at least to a, a usable level, with the being in separate places and playing together, then for instance, running, uh, let's say, chain labs, that is like being run in five different places in the world at the same time, but mm -hmm. each of them have a overlapping room or two or three or five, as you say, with your mm -hmm. friends. And mm -hmm. then imagine how those five labs in different places in the world can actually be run interwoven at the same time. Particularly walk into the other in the crossover room. Pretty cool. <laughs> so so I, I think this has been an excellent discussion. Um, and I would love to continue for hours, mm -hmm. but unfortunately our time is coming to a close. Um, so I would like to Absolutely I would like fun. to thank both Eric and Bastion for joining us today. So thank you guys for coming. Thank you, Martin. Um, thanks for having us. Thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of From Adventure to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. Uh, our next episode uh, will be released sometime in March, and that'll be the second episode of our third season, and we're going to look at space opera as LARP. Uh, that topic's going to cover how space opera settings work in and for LARP in general, and look at some specific space opera-themed LARPs. Uh, again, I'd like to thank our guests for joining me live on this show. I'm your host, Martin. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Mal Books. Additionally, we'd like to thank Lex Media for the use of their Fred Rothmel Memorial Podcast Studio. And again, I would like to thank Feedspot for our inclusion in their 2021 list of top five LARP podcasts. Please check out their links on our website at adventurer2innkeeper.com.